Okay, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, Isaiah 61 through 7. The Bible says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the, uh, but, uh, the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see, they all gather together, they come to you. Your son shall come from afar, and your daughter shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitudes of the camels shall cover your land. The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kadar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my, uh, of my glory. So in this text, the prophet Isaiah, who is a seer, is having a vision from the Lord that he is in turn relating to the people by prophesying to the people. The people of God, Israel, had been living in an apostate condition and had been suffering the, the effects of that lifestyle. That means they had been backslidden, and they're, they're paying the price for it. Now, I want you to know, when you get out under the covering of God, you will pay a price, Right? Why is all this stuff happening to me? you got to go back and think. Sometimes it's because uh, you are doing something right, but sometimes it's because you're not. And you got to figure that out. Well, let's make sure that I've got all my, all my T's crossed and my I's dotted, that I'm where I need to be. I'm in good relationship with God. Check. Okay, this is just an attack that i got to stand against, okay? So, um, so anyway, God sends the prophet to prophesy about the future prophetic purpose of God in the lives of his people. And it is the faithfulness of God to his people that will become evident as he restores them to his intended purpose. It's what this prophetic vision has within its contents that speaks to us today that I want to look at in the remainder of uh, this, this time that we have and the message that we're about to uh, share with you. So the first point we want to look at is the, the title of it is The Light Has Come. Isaiah 16 and, 60 and 1 says, Arise, shine for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Now, how many of you know that Jesus is the light? Matthew 4.16, I know it's an Old Testament scripture. I'm bringing New Testament uh, understanding to it, but I want us to see. The Bible says, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Who's it talking about? It's talking about Jesus. John 1, 1 through 5, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. We know that the Word became flesh, we're talking about Jesus, right? He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through Him, without Him nothing was made that was made, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it, but another translation says the darkness cannot overcome it. And by the way, let me just reiterate to you that anytime the Bible talks about light, it's not talking about an incandescent light or an LED light. It's talking about fire. Light in biblical times was fire. You wanted to have light in the house, you would light a candle or you would light a lantern. And that's how. So anytime you see light, always keep in mind we're talking about fire, okay? So anyway, um, so the light has come. Jesus is the light but also important to realize that his people are light. 
Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You, Jesus is talking to the people of God, are the light of the world. A city set that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp. Again, that's why it's important, because the lamp is how you get light. Nor do they light a lamp, put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. John 12, 46, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Romans 13, 11 through 12, and do, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So, Jesus is the light and his people are the light, all right? Second point, the scripture says, arise and shine. Arise and shine. Why? For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Before behold, darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness the people, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Now you may wonder, why do I keep repeating the same scripture? So you'll get it. Right? <laughs> Repetition is important. So it would seem, as we read the scripture from a, just a cursory reading, that Isaiah was observing darkness and light together at the same time. Yet what we're going to find if we break this scripture apart is more than likely he wasn't. Now, the ver where it says arise and shine, the verb tense, these are commands telling someone who is currently not standing to arise spoken in the future tense. Arise and shine is something that the hearer is commanded to do in the near future because they're not doing it now, right? So the next verse is a comment on the current state of affairs or the present. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. So the word see means to look around or observe in the present. So picture with me that Isaiah was perhaps in a vision. In this vision, he sees that in the present, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. Then he hears the voice of the Holy Spirit declare, Arise and shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Because of the order of these sentences, the way that they're written, we've overlooked the fact that the verb tense actually reverses the order. By putting verse 2 before verse 1, and I'm not messing with the Scripture, I'm not changing Scripture, I'm just trying to get us a good understanding of what's happening here. By putting verse 2 before verse 1, we receive a little bit greater clarity. So to paraphrase these verses in chronological order, it would go something like this. Hey, Isaiah, look around and notice all the darkness. Now look over there and see the light that is rising from the glory of the Lord. Soon my glory will dispel the darkness and the nations will come to my light. Okay? So what was Isaiah seeing? What if Isaiah was not talking metaphorical or spiritual darkness? What if he was prophetically seeing a time of physical darkness? If he was, now I know this is conjecture, I can't prove it, but if he was, we could ask, was there a time in history when darkness covered the earth? If we can find an answer to that question, we can find the time that perhaps Isaiah was seeing prophetically. 
Could it be that Isaiah was actually seeing and prophesying about the following event? Luke 23, 44 through 45 says this. It was about, now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. So you see, the Jewish day starts at 6 a.m. So the sixth hour would be 12 noon. How many of you know that sun is in its peak position at 12 noon, right? And the ninth hour would be 3 p.m. This means that the sun stops shining from noon until 3 p.m., the brightest three hours of the day, which are especially bright in the desert climate of Israel. So I'd like you to consider that Isaiah was prophetically seeing a specific day when literal darkness covered the earth, and then, as he was seeing that, he saw God speaking to his people, saying, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. And that brings me to my third point. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. We'll read the scripture again. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. So when did this glory of the Lord come upon his people? What if Isaiah was actually witnessing two different events? Assuming it was Jesus' work on the cross that he saw in the first part of the vision, could it be that the day of Pentecost fixed the second part of the vision? I don't know. Just a thought. Acts 2, 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon each of them. And by the way, what is fire? It is light. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in another language. When it talks about tongues here, it means an unknown language to the speaker. Right? It may not be an unknown language to you, but it's an unknown language to, this, to the one who is speaking in, in tongues. So I could be in a meeting, and I don't know, uh, let's, just, let's just come up, I don't know Japanese. And if the Spirit of God came upon me, and I began to speak in an unknown language, and it happened to be Japanese, and you were Japanese, you could understand what I was saying, even though I had no clue what I was saying. Right? Now, that doesn't mean that whenever we speak in another language, it's, it's, a, it's a known tongue or it's a current tongue. It could be an ancient tongue. It could be a celestial tongue. That's what the Bible teaches, an angelic tongue. But the bottom line is when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they began to speak in an unknown language as, a, as the Spirit enabled them. This fulfills Isaiah 63 through 5, which is the next scriptures uh, that come right after our text, which prophesies that once the glory of the Lord has risen upon the people, the nations will turn to the light. Let's go there. Isaiah 63 uh, uh, through 7. Now remember, 
our text is, Arise, shine, for the light has come. The glory of the Lord is deep darkness upon the earth. Okay, so then we move to the next verse. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kadar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. Now, let's go back to the book of Acts. In the book of Acts chapter 2, 5 through 13, the Bible says, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, and remember, Pentecost had just come. Uh, they, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon them like a fire, and they began to speak in another language. And it says here, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the sound was an event. It was the Holy Spirit coming upon his people on the day of Pentecost. It, it, it manifested in a sound because the people were speaking in an unknown language and they were prophesying and praising God. And I guess I could preach on that a little bit. When God moves, it should manifest in a sound. Right? It can be sound, the sound of worship. It can be sound of praise. It can be the sound of preaching. It can be sound of prophesying. But when God comes upon you, it should manifest in a sound. That's good preaching. I may have to write that one down. <laughs> I never thought about that one before. Okay. But anyway... When this sound occurred, the Bible says the multitudes from all the nations came together. And they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now again, let's make sense here. They were from all the nations of the earth. The people that were being filled with the Spirit of God were Galileans. And they were, they were from Jerusalem. And they spoke Hebrew, maybe Aramaic, but they didn't speak uh, 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 Persian, they didn't speak Turkish, they didn't speak all these other languages, but Jews from all these nations came to Jerusalem, and when they heard them speaking in their unknown language, to them it was known. We know, we're confused, because everyone heard, and they were all amazed and saying, look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear all these Galileans, I'm making sense for you, speaking uh, uh, in our own languages, in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. Now, to the people that were saying and speaking in tongues, they didn't know what they were saying, but the people that could understand what they were saying, what did they say they were, they were speaking? The wonderful works of God. So the Bible says they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mockingly said, they're full of new wine. <laughs> you know, and uh, of course, uh, Peter goes on to say, these, these people are not drunk as you suppose. Now, he didn't say they weren't drunk. 
He just said they weren't drinking wine, they're drinking new wine. They're drinking from the Spirit of God. And when you get filled with the Spirit of God, you will oftentimes display uh, a fullness that manifests itself in some behavior that may be considered to be drunkenness. But it's not. It's fullness. It's joy. Amen? Amen? It's the Spirit of God filling you to the full. But anyway, in Acts 2, 38 through 41, Peter gets up, and after the, all this stuff, he begins to, pro, uh, to speak the Word of God to them. And then he, he says, and this Jesus is the Messiah, and y'all crucified him. And they went, ah! <coughs> what do we do? Peter gets up, and he says, repent. Let everyone be, ba- be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And within many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. In Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 8, the Bible says, Therefore, those who were scattered because of persecution, what happens? Persecution broke out after several years. They continued to stay in Jerusalem. Persecution went out, broke out. They had to leave. Uh, and then those that were scattered went everywhere. And when they went everywhere, they kept sowing seed. Now, how do we sow seed? By preaching the word, by telling people about Jesus. They, kept, they had to leave their homes, but their eternal home is in here. Jesus didn't have to leave them. And so everywhere they went, they kept sowing seed. Remember the story of Johnny Appleseed? Everywhere he went, he kept sowing apple trees. There's apple trees all over the place because he kept sowing seed. Well, we got to be like that. But the seed that we sow has to be uh, about the testimony of Jesus Christ. So then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. And in Acts 10, 44 through 46, and I'll put this all together for you in a minute. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, that means the Jews who believed, were astonished. Because as many as came with Peter because of the gift the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles as well. So now it wasn't just for Jews, it was for everybody. But the Jews didn't get it at first. But God's trying to teach them that. And they were amazed, for they heard them speak with tongues, unknown languages, and magnify God. Acts 13, 47, For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Colossians 1, 27, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So who is the glory of God? Jesus. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the glory. And by the way, where does the glory live? And where does the glory reside? In us. How does the glory of God reside in us? By means of the Holy Spirit. I don't understand it. I just know it is. That is why Jesus instructed his disciples to make disciples of all nations. He knew Luke 23 would fulfill the prophecy of darkness Isaiah saw, and the day of Pentecost would release the glory of the Lord as Isaiah had prophesied. So remember, the people sat in darkness. I was working on something this morning that I thought I was going to preach, and then I found this message I had written before. kind of was on the same thing. Without Christ, we're in darkness. 
you can function in darkness. Your eyes can adjust, and you can learn how to live and how to walk in a dark environment. God's gracious to us. He doesn't leave us completely without uh, 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 light, uh, but there is a little bit of light, but it's dim and dark. I remember Bobby tells a story about the Lord telling him to go witness to a guy, and he walks in the house, and it's dark, and it's smoky, and he can barely see, but that's the way they live. And he, had, he said, the Lord sent me to tell him about Jesus. Why? Because he wants the light to come into the darkness. We live in darkness without Jesus because we live without Christ, and he is the light of the world. He has been, always will be the light of the world. Well, I can turn on a light in here, but Jesus wants to turn on a light in here. We were created to be in fellowship and unity with God. And the good news is that Jesus came, the light has come, that the glory of God, the light of God may dwell within us. God wants to turn your darkness into light. You see, in darkness is where all this stuff happens. Right? When does the seedy stuff take place? At night. When do they sell the drugs? At night. When does the prostitution happen? At night. Just being honest, right? This, right? When is all the... It happens in darkness. It happens in secret. It happens in the night. It happens in a dark alley. It happens wherever the case may be. Right? And what happens when the light comes on? The cockroaches. I didn't know there was all these cockroaches in there. Oh, they're there. Why can't I see them? Because there's no light. Jesus wants to bring light into your life. And when he brings light into your life, the light will manifest areas in our life that aren't right. And then Jesus wants to come in and he wants to bring, uh, he wants to sweep in your life. He wants to clean your life. You don't, it doesn't all happen when you first get saved. When you get saved, the light is turned on. It's like, I never knew this was, I didn't know the extent. I didn't know how bad things were. I just know somebody told me about Jesus and I needed Jesus. But when the light came in, I can't believe what Jesus is showing and revealing to me and what he's promised me and what he wants to do. It's amazing. And Jesus says, will you let me clean your house? Will you let me work in you? Right? Will you let me bring, because uh, the light is now in you, but I want to work in you to such an extent that your life can produce fruit. Because, you see, fruit doesn't produce without light. You plant a plant, you got to get plenty of sunshine. Why? Because where does the where does the uh, the tree get its energy from? Gets it from the sun. A process called photosynthesis. It converts light into energy, right? And so Jesus said, "Will you let me?" You know. And what happens is we got we get saved and the light is turned on, but we got areas like like trees that got bands around them tied off, and and you know now. And He wants to come in and loosen us, free us up, so that the sap can run, the energy can go, so that you can produce fruit. But He won't do it without your permission. He can do it without your permission. He can do whatever He wants, but He's given us free will. And what he wants is he wants for us to relinquish the things that he's asking for so that he can do a work in our life. It's always for our betterment. So anyway, 
we, our lives are, are filled with darkness uh, because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? For as by one man sin came into the world and death by sin, so death came upon all men, for that all have sinned. What happened to Adam and Eve is, is not only what happened, but is also a metaphor for our life. What happened was when they sinned, they were kicked out of the garden, and in the garden is where they walked with God. In the garden is where they were uh, in relationship with the light. And so when they were moved out of the garden, that light was turned off in their life. And then when Jesus came, he offered to turn the light back on by coming back into live in this garden. See, the garden is a metaphor for our hearts, right? And he opened the door so that we could come in and have fellowship with God, right? And so Jesus, the light, is also the glory. So what happens when the Spirit of God comes in us, the light comes on, but when we receive the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not just about that, but it's almost like it's what Isaiah was prophesying about. It's like, then arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, and now you can go out there and bring light to those that are in the world, and you can begin to see the people come to the light, which is Jesus, but the light is also in his people, and when the light is allowed to shine forth through his people, then the people of the world will come to the light. It's the cross, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that made the way for the Spirit of God to be poured out in power upon his people. It's salvation and empowerment that I believe Isaiah is seeing and prophesying about. Prophesying about the cross, and he's prophesying about Pentecost. Pentecost is not a day. Pentecost is not an event. Pentecost is a lifestyle. Spirit-filled, spirit-empowered life. Be filled. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled and the context is and continue to be filled 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 with the Spirit of God. Well, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. When? 25 years ago. Well, have you been living that way? Well, I spoke in tongues then. And it's not about speaking in tongues. But but what I'm trying to bring out is that it's it's you you looked at Pentecost as an event as something to check off your list. And it was a good thing to do, but it's more than that. It's like having access to a gasoline pump. And you're happy that you have access, but you never go get gas. How do I get empowered? Is by, by allowing the Spirit of God to flow in you and through you. Amen? So in the end, we've got to ask, what does this say to us? Because of the work that Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, we have the privilege of experiencing the fruit of his work. We can receive salvation through the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, and we can receive the empowerment of God as the Holy Spirit comes upon us. As a result, as God's people arise and shine, and as the Spirit of God is allowed to work within his people and through his people, People that are lost 
will experience the power of God, the power of the gospel to save, heal, and to be set free. And as they are baptized in the Spirit of God and learn to walk in it, the glory of the Lord will also be visible in them and upon them and through them. And as the glory of the Lord becomes visible, we will still see more people come to the brightness of His glory. Thus, the culmination of what Isaiah prophesied will see its fulfillment in all who embrace and allow the presence of God to have His way in them and through them. So, in a way, we could say what Isaiah saw was you and I. Saved, empowered, and doing the work of Jesus. Spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praying, speaking, laying hands on people, seeing people saved, healed, delivered, set free. Telling them about Jesus. Arise and shine, people, for the light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon us, you, the people of God. Thank you.